And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett, and today we are honored to talk with uh, one of my favorite constitutional lawyers, David French, about a very important case, one you may not have heard of, but I think it's uh, one that everyone should know about, even if you're not a believer, even if you're not pro-life. But if you care about the freedom of speech, you need to know about the NIFLA case. Uh, David uh, submitted a friend of the court or an amicus brief in the case, as did our firm, Uh, And we're going to tell you more about that case, but let me first tell you a little bit about David. David, graduate of Harvard Law School, senior writer now at National Review, senior fellow at the National Review Institute, constitutional law attorney uh, par excellence, and is... uh, You've been doing a lot of different things. I, I love reading your bio because uh, it just shows uh, just a diversity of what you've done, uh, a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom, and uh, just thank you so much for serving our country, uh, both um, just in, in so many different respects. So, David, thank you for coming on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, and uh, just so the listeners know, this is a, a just a, basically a radio show we've put together as a firm because we want to highlight what God's doing uh, in the law and in the marketplace. Uh, there's a lot going on that you need to know about, and uh, this is something that isn't of interest to us. And I, I think you, the listeners all need to know what's happening in the Supreme Court because a lot of these cases will have impact uh, on the different areas of our lives, including the freedom of speech. So I think uh, starting here, how would you describe, David, for somebody that's not an attorney, what's going on in this NIFLA case, which is a pregnancy care center case arising out of California? Yeah, so in, in the simplest terms possible, what California law does is it requires pro-life pregnancy centers. And these are pregnancy centers in neighborhoods that minister to young, young moms who are looking for alternatives to abortion. So these, these centers exist for the purpose of promoting life. They exist and they're staffed often by doctors and nurses who are lending often at, at pro, for a, you know, on a pro bono basis, um, lending their services to these pregnancy care centers for the very purpose of saving lives. And California passed a law called the FACT Act that requires these pro-life pregnancy centers to advertise for free and low-cost abortions. It requires them to post a notice in a pro-life pregnancy center that says that California offers reduced cost or no-cost abortions and provides a phone number, requires these pregnancy care centers to provide a phone number that women can call to obtain quick access to a free or low-cost abortion. So you're, you're, what, what this law does is it compels pro-life citizens to share the state's approved message about free and low-cost abortions. And so it's a it's a obvious First Amendment problem because it compels speech. It compels a person to say something that they don't want to say. Yeah, and it's a, and, and as you put it, it sounds like what essentially is doing is it's taking pro-life organizations, not-for-profit volunteer organizations, commandeering its its mission and message and saying here we're going to we're going to force you to promote abortion services. I, I mean, I I think that's the simplest way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, let's put this in terms, let's do some analogies. So imagine if uh, the Democratic Party 
headquarters, let's say you're in a red state, and and a conservative legislature said, well, you know, voters have a right to know alternatives. So um, Democratic Party headquarters, you're going to have to include the phone number for the Republican Party. You're going to have to rec- include a, you know, a, a post of talking points from the Republican Party. That'd be absurd. Or if, let's say you had a person who was trying to teach, you know, unarmed peaceful, uh, unarmed resistance to attackers, you know, mm-hmm. somebody, you know, judo or martial arts or something says, well, you know, uh, people have a constitutional right to keep and bear arms. So every place that teaches unarmed resistance is going to have to give the location of the nearest gun shop, gun shop and phone number to reach up. I mean, you know, that, that kind of thing, what, what you're talking about is requiring people to share information about a point of view that is utterly at odds with their own. And that, when you put it in those terms, you think, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. ridiculous. This is absurd. Yeah. yeah, and I think what the... And it's not just even at a kind of at a minimal level of here's just some information uh, that you don't feel comfortable giving. But in the context of the pregnancy care center, it's it's life and death. And I think yeah. the example we used in, in our brief was um, a not for profit anti euthanasia center that exists solely to make sure people don't fall prey to assisted suicide um you know, promotion by a state where it's legal. And this group of people just want people that are desperate or in despair to know that they don't have to choose suicide. And and now all the states is coming in and saying, hey, look, I know that you're anti-euthanasia, you're anti-assisted suicide, but you know that that's a legal treatment option here in Oregon, Washington, whatever it is. We need you to post uh, information about the local doctors that will provide this uh, physician-assisted suicide or state-subsidized suicide. I mean, we're talking about life and death here, and I, I just think it takes the level of absurdity to even another level. Right. Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it is – so, you know, it's not just undermining your purpose of your speech. It is uh, undermining – the, the very right to life that you're fighting for here. And, and, you know, and the other thing that's, that's so, um, that, that's so troubling about this case is that California really is going out of its way to treat, to be malicious towards these pro-life pregnancy centers. Because if you think about it, California has absolutely the right under its own laws, under the constitution to, advertise its own message. So on the very same street that a pro-life pregnancy center exists, they could put up billboards. Right. Um, they could have their own employees leafleting. Um, they could, they can advertise on social media. They can advertise on the internet. They can advertise on television and radio. They have enormous resources to get out the state's message that the state offers free and low cost abortions and, phone, and provide phone numbers and web addresses and all of that. They have enormous resources, but they say, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to put the notice right inside the pregnancy center. Yes. And that, that's just malicious. It is. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett of the law firm Malkin Baker. We're a Christian firm in Chicago. If you have legal needs, give us a call. We'll try to help you. And if we can't, we'll try to put you in touch with a, a Christian attorney uh, that may be working in the area that, of your need. Um, and uh, this is an attorney, David French, who we're speaking with right now about a very important uh, Supreme Court case, the Nifla versus Becerra case. Uh, but you can refer to it as the Pregnancy Care Center case. Uh, but as we've been alluding to, it's much broader than that in terms of the implications. Whenever the Supreme Court takes up a case, uh, its decision will have impact just beyond the immediate context of the case that they're dealing with. 
And so uh, be, please be praying for this case. Um, the free speech issue is basically whether or not pro-life pregnancy centers can be uh, forced to promote and advertise for uh, the abortion industry. Uh, David, I don't know if you know much about what's going on in Illinois, but we've got something um, equally as malicious. Uh, but are you familiar with quite what's going on in Illinois? Uh, which issue? <laughs> well, we've got uh, what happened with us, just like California, is um, basically the pro-abortion interest groups uh, down in Springfield decided that they were going to revise the Health Care Right of Conscience Act, which has long been the gold standard of state conscience protections. Uh, and they said, well, if you're going to enjoy the protections of this act, you, we're going to put in compelled speech provisions. So if you're a conscientious objector to providing abortion-related services, you nevertheless have to then ensure a woman uh, knows of her options, uh, give her in writing a list of abortion providers. And so we've got a, a similar situation, which compelled us to write a brief uh, on behalf of 23 pregnancy care centers in Illinois. Um, but maybe just as that as another example, speak to what you see going on nationally uh, from kind of the side of the pro-abortion groups trying to force the speech or force the hand and what this may signal um, in terms of where we're at in, a, in, in the country on, on the, issue, the very public issue of abortion. Yeah, well, you know, there's a couple of things. One, I, and I just, I just want people to understand how malicious these laws are, because what they're doing is they're requiring pro-life people to provide information that will facilitate death. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. Right. And, and, and they say it and they justify it with known falsehoods, like the idea that a woman would not have access to information about abortion if it weren't for a pro-life pharmacist or a pro-life doctor giving them information about abortion. No, uh, virtually every woman in this country has a smartphone and it has this this website on that smartphone called Google, most people have heard of it. Mm -hmm. They can find information if they want information. If there's one thing that this country does not lack any longer, it's access to information. Uh, so this idea that the only way women can get this information is if it's given to them by pro-life citizens is absolutely absurd. But, you know, pulling back from this, what we're looking at is a trend towards putting, essentially saying that the power of government is going to be used uh, in a, the most ideological possible way in the culture wars to compel agreement or to compel action in agreement with the government's ideology in the sexual revolution. And, and I, I pointed out in my amicus brief that there is not one case, but two cases, this term where governments, one the state of Colorado, one the state of California, were compelling dissenting citizens to use their creative energies and their speech to advance points of view and ideas and events that they disagreed with. And the first one was the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, which most people are familiar with now after, you know, it's been talked about in the news endless, endlessly, but it is, you know, compelling a baker to design a custom cake for a same-sex wedding when he objects, uh, objects to gay marriage. And then the other one is this Nifla case. Yeah, let's and, talk and about the Masterpiece Cake uh, coming up. This is, uh, we've got so much to get into. So coming up, we're going to talk further about uh, the Masterpiece Cake, this uh, Pregnancy Care Center case uh, with Attorney David French. I'm Noel Stared of Malkin Baker, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Starrett, a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We're a Christian law firm uh, that helps people in need. Uh, they have a variety of legal services. We do a lot of work for churches and ministries. Uh, I particularly do a lot of zoning work and religious land use work and in the federal court. Uh, and a lot of times we also get involved in civil liberties cases all the way on up to the Supreme Court. And one of the cases that um, I just was honored to file a brief uh, in was the NIFLA case, which is a pregnancy care center case. Um, pregnancy care centers across the country are facing uh, efforts to basically uh, commandeer their mission and message uh, to promote abortion. And states and pro-abortion interest groups are trying to say, look, uh, if you're not going to be providing abortions and you're against abortion, well, make sure these women that come into your clinic aren't confused or lack the information they need. Uh, so tell them where they can find it. Post these notices and disclosures. Um, my guest today is David French, constitutional law attorney uh, and writer with the National Review. And we've been talking about uh, the NIFLA case in which the Supreme Court's going to decide whether or not California and other states and can start forcing pregnancy care centers to do this. Uh, but before the break, we were talking with David, and he mentioned another case, one that uh, I think more people are aware of, which is a masterpiece cake. Uh, so, David, how do these cases relate? And um, just give give us a summary of the masterpiece cake case. Yeah, in the masterpiece ca- uh, case, pretty simple fact pattern. Uh, a gay couple came in to a, a cake shop called Masterpiece Cake Shop, uh, owned by a Christian man, asked him to uh, create a custom wedding cake for their same-sex wedding uh, ceremony and their same-sex wedding celebration. And he said uh, that he could not use his artistic talents to uh, create a, you know, a work of art to celebrate an event that he objected to. He does not believe that uh, he does not believe in that in, in same-sex marriage is a God-ordained institution. Uh, and this is a guy who has refused on other occasions to uh, create custom cakes that celebrate points of view that he disagrees with. So he's been very, very consistent on this. Um, in spite of the fact that there were many, many other um, bakeries that were willing to help this, uh, you know, willing to create a, a custom cake for the same-sex couple, uh, rather than just going to another bakery and, and dropping it, they filed a complaint against uh, Jack Phillips, the Masterpiece Cake Shop, that, and at the in the state court level, the Masterpiece Cake Shop lost. Uh, and this has gone to the Supreme Court of the United States, and oral arguments were just heard uh, late last year uh, in the case over the question of whether public accommodation laws in the state of Colorado can force, it can result in forcing a Christian baker to custom design uh, a cake for an event that he finds morally objectionable. Um, and, and this is something, one other thing that's important about this case, uh, this case is he had offered to sell pre-made cakes that he'd already made to this couple. And they, they said, no, they wanted him to use his artistic ability to design something custom for them. And so, so how is that, is how is that, that rela- I think is very important distinction. Yeah. And how does that relate then to NIFLA? Because I know you, you've kind of tied it into uh, the NIFLA case in one of the articles you wrote for the National Review. Yeah. So they're both what you would call compelled speech cases. In other words, they're the, the worst kind of First Amendment violation. So when we think of violations of the First Amendment, we usually think of censorship in the sense of uh, someone saying, you cannot say that. Mm-hmm. Like there are words you cannot say. What compelled speech is, is it goes even further and it says, you must say what you don't believe. Mm-hmm. You must voice 
uh, ideas that you disagree with. And that's what a compelled speech case does. And it's the worst kind of violation of the First Amendment, because it's essentially drafting you into the state's message. It's commandeering your voice to advance the state's message. And traditionally, cases like that have been subjected to the highest levels of scrutiny at the um, and, and have failed, the state has failed time and time again in its efforts to try to force people to articulate a message they don't agree with. And the most famous case was Virginia V. Barnett, where um, in the middle of World War II, you know, when the nation's survival was at stake, some Jehovah's Witnesses objected to being forced to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, this was in West Virginia. And in the middle of World War II, this is one of the greatest Supreme Court cases in American history. The Supreme Court said, uh, if there's any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it's that no official higher petty can prescribe what is orthodox, law, politics, nationalism, religion. And, and so essentially what it was saying is, look, the state doesn't get to tell a citizen what to say. It just doesn't. And then years later, um, you know, it's really, this is a whole side note, but if, if it weren't for Jehovah's Witnesses, our First Amendment rights would be a lot more diminished than they are today. Well, yeah. Um, so Jehovah's Witnesses objected to um, try, being forced in, in New Hampshire to drive around with the live free or die state motto. Uh, they didn't agree with the proposition live free or die. And, and uh, they covered up with tape that motto and they were pulled over and they were cited for it. And they covered it up with tape again and they were pulled over cited for it, covered it up with tape again, finally took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, you know, look, you don't have to be a state doesn't have the right to turn your own private property into a billboard for the state's message. Right. And these are these are um, seminal Supreme Court cases that have protected rights of conscience and limited the the scope of state action. And they're at stake right now. They're at issue right now. They're in doubt right now because of these the Masterpiece Cake Shop case and the Nifla case. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterrett, partner of the law firm Malk and Baker. We're speaking with David French about two very important uh, Supreme Court cases in which uh, the compelled speech doctrine and the First Amendment's at stake, which means it's broader than just um, us uh, as, as followers of Jesus. It's broader than us as those who are in the pro-life movement, uh, because when we establish a free speech, free speech principle that's there to protect everyone. And so uh, one of the alarming things that, that I've been troubled with and, and speaking to at college campuses um, and various other places about these free speech cases and kind of where I would like to see a robust freedom of speech for all people, uh, more and more I'm getting a sense that uh, among the younger generation is they want to see what's going on in Europe happen here, which is enacting hate speech laws. They have some uh, odd idea that there's a hate speech exception to the Constitution. Um, and, and even more so, uh, they're, they seem to be altogether comfortable with this um, viewpoint discriminatory nature. And both in the California case and the Colorado case, and in Illinois here, we've got a situation where in the state said, look, we've got these people that hold a different viewpoint about a key issue that our constituents believe in. Gay marriage, be it one of them the pro-choice movement, be it another. We've got to figure out how to silence them, or if we're not going to silence them, compel them to promote our messaging alongside theirs. Um, speak to that in terms of where you see culturally uh, 
our cherishing of the freedom of speech going. Um, I think it's a good sign that the Supreme Court's taking these cases because I'm hoping uh, that they're going to uh, reaffirm the, you know, Woolley v. Maynard and uh, the West Virginia case and say, look, this is this is we're putting an end to this in these two cases. But what do you see going on? Because you, you travel broadly and, and you speak to a lot of people and a lot of groups. What do you see on the cultural level? Yeah. So, well, first, I agree with you. It's a hopeful sign that the Supreme Court has taken these cases because the free speech position had lost <laughs> in both the Colorado case and the California case. So if the Supreme Court hadn't taken these cases, that anti-free speech position would be enshrined at least in those jurisdictions into law. But so here's what's happening in the larger culture. In the larger culture, and this is happening on both the right and the left, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, so so conservatives listening, get off your high horse right now because you're you're about to get you're about to get a dose of truth about where we are as a culture. Um, the the we are lo- increasingly looking at the law as good people should win and bad people should lose. Right. Uh, and and who whatever however we define good people and bad people is dependent on our ideology. And I might agree with the conservative and I agree with the conservative position on who right and wrong far more than I agree with the progressive position on it. But the law is not an instrument of the good people win and the bad people lose. And and this moves into free speech in this way. So if you ask a person, do you believe in free speech? Um, overwhelming majorities will say yes, absolutely, completely, totally agree with free speech. But then if you ask a person, um, do you believe that hate speech should be limited? Right. Then overwhelmingly, an incredible number of those same people who just said they believe in free speech will say, yeah, hate speech should be be limited. But then when you start to even drill down more, here's what you figure out. Um, The people, when people define free speech, they define free speech as the good speech that me and my friends use to advance the ideas that we share. Right. That's free speech. And what is hate speech? Well, hate speech is that speech that the bad people on the other side, use to advance lies and deception and untruth that's deeply offensive to the values that I hold dear. So that's hate speech. Um, and so uh, time and time again, what you end up with is this weird sort of argument where somebody will say to you, I love free speech, but, well, as uh, I forget who said this, whenever you hear a statement that says, uh, I love such and such, but the only thing that matters is all the words after the but. <laughs> That's yeah. the only thing that matters. Right. And so we're getting into this world in which uh, it's a zero-sum game. It is, if my side wins, uh, it, you must lose. If I get to speak, you're going to be suppressed. And, and I'll tell you this, and this is something that I think a lot of people need to um, realize. We, uh, people in the conservative world, have a blind spot about this. Um, as well in some interesting ways. So, for example, when the football players were kneeling and hundreds of football players were kneeling, um, I disagree with that. I disagree with kneeling. I don't think that that kneeling in front of the before the anthem is or during the anthem is an appropriate protest. Right. But I also don't believe it's the role of the president of the United States to try to tell people how to protest. I agree. This has been David French. Uh, look at. Look up his articles online on National Review. Uh, And this has been Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Tune in every Sunday afternoon uh, to listen to more as we uh, look at what God's doing in the law and in the marketplace. 
gonna have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody 